Welcome to Pop Cultured. I'm Bridget Armstrong. And as usual, I have questions and comments and no, I will not hold them until the end. Like, why did Beyonce remove her profile pictures? It's the internet mystery that has us all puzzled. Maybe it means she's hard at work on a new project. Blue has been spending more time with her dad. They were spotted courtside at one of the NBA Finals games. And speaking of Blue, the internet's gathered one of her haters this week. One Saucy Santana. Old tweets from the Florida rapper resurfaced where he talked about Blue's hair and compared her to Northwest, you know, Kanye and Kim's kid. Fans called him out for criticizing a little kid's looks, and they also called him out for saying things that seemed kind of anti-Black. But he doubled down and refused to apologize. So we know who definitely won't be on that upcoming Beyonce album. Anyway, it was certainly a masterclass in how not to act when you're called out. Lizzo, however, could teach a class on how not to get canceled after you've said something offensive. In her new song, Girls, Lizzo used the term spaz. Activists called it out, saying that in the UK, the term is an ableist slur. Lots of people also pointed out that in African-American vernacular English, the word doesn't have the exact meaning or carry the same weight. But that didn't stop Lizzo from addressing the concern. The song dropped Friday, and Lizzo has already released a new version, minus the word. Now, is there anything Jennifer Hudson can't do? She ain't lost since American Idol. Over the weekend, she won a Tony, making her an EGOT winner. She's already won an Emmy, Grammy, and Oscar. She now joins an elite group of less than 20 other entertainers. She's also the second Black woman to achieve the status. The other is Whoopi Goldberg. I don't know if you knew this, but there's a tampon shortage in the U.S., and apparently it's Amy Schumer's fault. Procter & Gamble say that after Schumer appeared in a Tampax ad, the demand went up, and they blame the shortage on the popularity of the commercial. Someone just got her period. What size do you need? Wait, there's more than one size? Yes. Your flow changes, and so should the size of your tampon. Of course, other non-Schumer-backed tampon manufacturers also have a shortage. But I'm actually fine with this. Let's blame Amy Schumer for everything. Following up on some stories we've talked about before, the Russian government has extended WNBA player Brittany Griner's detainment through at least July. The baller has been behind bars in the country since February. She was accused of illegally bringing THC vape oil into the country where she plays for a Russian basketball team. A little over a month ago, the State Department declared her as being wrongfully detained. And a number of people from the sports world actually started to speak out about her situation, even though previously the government said that keeping this low profile might help them negotiate her case. It's unclear if that's still true. We'll keep an eye on this story as it develops. Back here in the States, congratulations are in order for Britney Spears. She recently tied the knot with her longtime boo, Sam Ascari. But the festivities were not without drama. Her first husband, Jason Alexander, crashed her wedding. Raise your hand if you thought I was going to say Kevin Federline. Apparently, her and Jason Alexander, not the one from Seinfeld, were married back in the day for like less than 72 hours. But he's been stalking her and he came to her wedding. Security had to actually tackle him. But thankfully, Britney was still able to get hitched. Britney's had to deal with so much drama over the past decade. We just wish her the best of luck with her new beau. Netflix has some good news. 
they just might be able to hold on to a sliver of relevancy for a little while longer. They just dropped a teaser for Squid Game Season 2. And apparently, they're casting for a Squid Game reality competition series that supposedly will be the biggest reality competition ever. It'll have 456 players competing for $4.56 million. I don't really know how anybody could watch that series and say, you know what? I want to do that in real life. But I, of course, will be tuning in. Lil Nas X is still doing what he does best, shaking things up. Last week, he dropped a diss track. But his beef isn't with another artist, it's with an entire network. The Black Entertainment Television Awards announced their nominations last week, and Lil Nas X wasn't in the number despite him being one of the most commercially successful Black entertainers in the game. He called the network out for this snub and said it was a product of homophobia in the Black community. Today on Pop Cultured, a conversation about Lil Nas X, Black masculinity, and queerness in hip-hop. This all started when Lil Nas X tweeted about the BET Awards snub, sarcastically saying, thank you, BET Awards, an outstanding zero nominations again, Black excellence. And of course, immediately, he had some pushback. Someone on Twitter asked him what he put out to deserve being nominated. Lil Nas X pointed out that he had three of the biggest songs in the country last year. His reaction to not being nominated was valid because Montero received a lot of critical acclaim received a lot of awards, a lot of recognition. Derek Cottingham writes about music, culture, TV, and film. His work has appeared in the LA Times, on NPR, and in Vibe magazine. Industry Baby went five times multi-platinum. Montero was a huge moment. It was all the talk, had three songs charting at the same time on Billboard Top 10. And so to have the feature of that song be nominated and not have that song nominated at all, or anything from Montero, or any type of recognition for Lil Nas X, it just was a blatant form of disregard. Whenever an entertainer complains about not being nominated for something, it can come off a little arrogant. So there are always the people who try to take down that arrogance by telling the artist they just aren't good enough, or by coming up with some other excuse. But Lil Nas X wasn't having any of that. He kept the conversation going for a few days. He deleted some tweets, wrote some new ones. But during his rant, he explained why he felt the snub was bigger than the BET Awards. He said that Black gay people have to fight to be seen in the world. And that even when they make it to the top, people try to pretend like they're invisible. He also said that his frustration wasn't really about a BET Award, but about the bigger problem of homophobia in the Black community. BET eventually responded to Lil Nas X, saying they, quote, love him, while pointing out his past BET nominations. 
They also shared some insight into how the nominations work. Much like other awards shows, BET said their nominees are chosen by a group of, quote, esteemed professionals from various fields in the entertainment industry. And they said that no one from BET is actually in the voting academy. Ain't nobody heard about this committee until now. <laughs> like, that is what threw me off. It didn't even really address, like, how the committee selected, they vaguely said, esteemed entertainment professionals. I also saw someone that formerly used to work at the network kind of be like, esteemed? I don't know, but they kind of rotate out these professionals a lot. Like, it's never, like, the same people. My question was, well, who's on the Voting Academy? Since, like, no one from the network is, which is also questionable. Are they even tuned into Black entertainment across the spectrum? And when was the last time it accepted new members? For Washington Post staff writer Clyde McCrady, BT's statement also raises more questions about who's on the committee. If it's people in the industry who don't like what Lil Nas X is representing, this notion of Black masculinity is not, you know, thought of as being represented by a gay man. Last year, after a particularly homophobic rant from another rapper went viral, Clyde wrote about hip-hop's relationship with queerness. And questions around how Black men are allowed to express their masculinity came up a lot. I think that is just uncomfortable for some people, especially when you're talking about a genre like rap. They're selling this kind of hyper-masculinity among Black men being tough guys, and people don't associate that with being gay. And, um, you know, Lil Nas X is one of the biggest stars in this industry. He has a point about being frozen out uh, of these awards. BET weren't the only ones who responded to Lil Nas X's rant. A lot of people on Twitter did, too. Many of them agreed with Lil Nas X, but a lot of people weren't buying it. And they told Little Nas X, and he clapped back. Some people pointed out that other queer artists like Frank Ocean and Tyler, the creator, have been honored by the BET Awards in the past. Little Nas X responded by saying that queer men are more respected when they do less feminine things. Both Tyler and Frank Ocean have talked about sexual experiences with men and women and have alluded to not being all the way straight. But still, neither one of them has ever kissed a man on stage or wrote a pole down to hell to give the devil a lap dance. I'd also like to point out that Tyler, the creator, talked more explicitly about his sexuality after he was pretty well established as an artist. And even though neither of them have had the same experiences as Lil Nas X, we can't completely erase the homophobia they have dealt with. I think I saw a lot of people rebuttaling that we don't have an issue with Tyler, the creator, or we don't have an issue with Frank Ocean. And the Frank Ocean part is revisionist history. When Frank Ocean first came out and when there was like talk of him possibly being queer, so many people reacted badly. They were like, I'm never going to listen to his music ever again. It was a huge thing on social media and within the culture. And it's an erasure to pretend like that didn't happen when it did happen. It took years, almost a decade from that to even get to the acceptance that we have today with like artists like Lil Nas X, Saucy Santana, Kid Ken. Like these weren't a possibility then.
People also tried to say the snub has more to do with the kind of music Lil Nas makes, not his sexuality. Some said he's not a rapper, which is absurd. And others said that he's a pop star and thus has no place at the BET Awards. People have this notion that people don't think rappers can't also sing or do another thing other than rapping. And if they do another thing than just rapping, they're not considered a rapper. I just want people to realize that hip-hop artists are pop stars. Drake's a pop star. That's considered rap albums, hip-hop albums. Literally a pop star. When you reach this level of acclaim, when you're able to break beyond a hip-hop chart, you have crossover hits, you are a pop star. But that does not mean you're no longer a rapper. But those are the elements of, like, gaslighting that happen because it's just, like, out of those 500 people, not one song on that project. It could have been the category of, like, pop song. Like, they make other categories other than just rap and hip-hop for the BET Awards. It's Black entertainment across the board. Still, other critics pointed out that Lil Nas X has had BET nods in the past. His breakout hit, Old Town Road, took home two BET Hip Hop Awards in 2019. Those are given out at a separate show in the fall. In 2020, the BET Awards nominated him for Best New Artist. And then the single, Montero, Call Me By Your Name, got a couple of BET Hip Hop Awards nominations in 2021, after the famous onstage kiss at the regular BET Awards earlier that year. But Derek says that timeline is kind of sus. He won for Old Town Road, but like Old Town Road got way, way hot on the charts. Then Lil Nas X came out. So if you did backtrack, oh, it would have been obvious why you were backtracking and choosing not to support. So it's just really hard to believe this just was just a coincidence of just like, oh, he didn't get any nominations. Industry Baby alone should have at least got a collaboration nomination or something. And Derek thinks this year's omission has something to do with that infamous kiss on the stage last year. He gave a show, but he ended up kissing a guy on stage. That was iconic for me and other queer folks. It was. And other queer kids that are just like us, that were like, to see that and be like, oh, that could be me. Like, I don't got to suppress myself. I don't got to repress who I am. I can find love in open public, too. I can find Black love in open little, like, public. I can find a, another Black queer person that can also find happiness amongst me, find community against, uh, like, with other Black people that are queer. That's major. And I saw the backlash when the performance happened. They were like, kids watch this show with us. And I'm like, if I was a kid when I was watching this show with my mama and I would have saw that, oh, I would have been so happy. I probably would have came out way before I, when I did. I wouldn't have thought it was such a bad thing. People talked about this kiss for weeks after, and I don't blame them. It was hot. But there were some people who disagreed with me and Derek. People who thought it was inappropriate and that it was somehow promoting something deviant. Lil Boosie, who seems to be running for the title of most homophobic rapper in chief, had something to say. And The Baby went on a homophobic rant at the Rolling Loud Festival, where he shamed people with HIV and AIDS and shouted out the fellas who weren't, quote, language warning here, sucking in the parking lot. The Baby was at a Miami music festival, and he had some disparaging comments to say 
about gay people and a lot of people thought that was a reaction to Lil Nas X who'd been more flamboyant and open about his sexuality at that moment. As a result of his rant, the baby lost a bunch of festival spots, endorsement deals, and collaborations. But several rappers did come to his defense, including T.I., who said that while he respects openly gay artists like Lil Nas X, that if Lil Nas X can, quote, live his truth, then people like the baby should be able to speak theirs. Basically saying that if gay people can be openly gay, then bigots should be able to be openly bigoted. Why he thinks being gay and being hateful are the same things is beyond me. But his strange response is indicative of something bigger than an awards show and a nomination. The homophobia Lil Nas X called out has been in hip-hop for a while. Clyde remembers a time not that long ago when the worst thing you could be as a rapper was queer. I grew up listening to like Jay-Z and Nas and in the early 2000s and like Ja Rule and 50 Cent and like their beefs. And they would just drop the F word and it's like the worst thing you could be was gay. Like, like that was the worst diss that you could hand to somebody is that you're gay. In Ether, Nas says over and over again, Gay Z. He calls Jay Z Gay Z. He has a song, H to the Izzo, M to the Izzo, by calling him homo. Jay Z on Takeover calls Nas the F word. But I think they would look back at that and be slightly embarrassed. And, you know, whether they had any personal homophobic beliefs themselves, I don't think was the point. It was just the fact that. Being gay in and of itself was an insult, and they knew it. And so that's what they said to each other to to put their opponents down. Like, that's where the culture was at that point. Derek says that sentiment is rooted in hypermasculinity, and that it can be complicated for Black men in particular. It comes back from the whole notion of, like, traditionally and historically, the belief that Black men's masculinity has always been under attack due to things that stem from white supremacy and things that happen in the world and just breaking them down in our communities and letting that be like a trickle down effect. And so the reaction to that over time has become this radicalization pushback to the point where it's like just laughing or experiencing joy is seen as like not being masculine. You see Black Boy Joy kind of coming and things like that. But there's still these barriers of what a man cannot do and especially what a Black man cannot do. People often bring up like how Harry Styles is always given this freedom to be openly expressive without ever having to fully address or answer the question whether or not if he is queer or being praised for gender nonconforming like clothing and things like that. But when you're Black, you have to kind of also perform this ideal of hyper-masculinity, even if you are queer. It just really is this thing of like an individual somehow ends up having to represent an entire group. And it's really amplified within our own culture, that ideology. And so there's always been this kind of conflict or pushback when it came to having queer voices within hip-hop in general. 
And the way hypermasculinity shows up in hip-hop can be really detrimental to a lot of the fans and artists in the space. Me as a queer person and being non-binary, I often present more femme. It puts like a bigger target on my back because it goes to the root of patriarchy and the way that women and femininity is treated in society. And so this masculinity that we uphold is what's respected across the board in hip hop. You have Megan Thee Stallion, you have JT, you have Carisha, you have like all these people and everybody's like, why is the music twerk this, twerk that, your body this, your body that. And it's like the men are literally rapping about these women's bodies and y'all don't have a problem with it. But when the women are taking agency of their own and rapping about their bodies and being proud of their bodies that they're in, it's an issue. And it's just like if the delivery comes from anyone where there's this femme identity attached to it, it's questionable. And people try to use this notion and argument. People don't have a problem with Saucy Santana. I'm like, yes, y'all do. I literally just saw someone angry saying that they were pushing an agenda on Team Vogue because he was on the cover of Team Vogue. I was like, just because you don't see it in your everyday bubble does not mean it's not going on. The world expands beyond your perspective and your viewpoint. You want to know my favorite Lil Nas X moment? It was when he won the MTV VMA last year for Video of the Year. First, I want to say, I want to say thank you to the gay agenda. Let's go, gay agenda! I love this moment because it just shows off how great Lil Nas X is at trolling. But it also calls out something that we're seeing over and over. As more queer people and people under the LGBTQIA umbrella are gaining visibility and expressing themselves, they're being accused of spreading the so-called gay agenda. Gay agenda. Gay agenda. Homosexual agenda. Gay agenda. A lot of times music is complained about, like, they're pushing this agenda on us, and why are they forcing this on us? And it's just like, you don't have to listen. And when people bring up the fact of, like, they're trying to force this on our kids, I used to watch movies with my parents all the time, and I'm not straight. I was around a lot of cishet people. I was a lot around PDA, all of that, and I am queer. If that was how it worked, a lot of queer folks would be straight. And that's just not how that works. The gay agenda implies that whenever openly queer people are being visibly gay, It's part of some larger plot to push queerness onto straight people. People evoke this gay agenda whenever Lil Nas X breathes. They bring it up when they see gay characters on the screen. I mean, people are saying Pixar has a gay agenda because there's a queer couple in the new Lightyear movie. People call out the gay agenda when their cities or workplaces celebrate pride and when schools want to teach students about sexuality and gender identity. And this fear of the gay agenda underlines a problem that's bigger than hip-hop and bigger than Lil Nas X. It kind of may dovetail with what you're seeing in the American culture at large. Gay rights advocates feel like there is a backlash to them going on right now, whether it's laws being passed at the state level, limiting discussions about gender and sexuality, or... You had the Tampa Bay Rays not wanting to wear like the Pride logo on their uniforms, I believe. Five of the members of that baseball team refused to wear the Pride logo. And just the other day, a group of men who are affiliated with the hate group The Proud Boys stormed a library event where drag queens were reading to kids. 
So it may be a part of what's happening in the broader culture. I know when I talk to people in the industry, they're a little chafed at the notion that this is a problem particular to hip hop culture or, or black culture at large. They see it as kind of picking on black people when, you know, homophobia is a problem in American culture at large. So I think I'd be remiss if you didn't mention what's happening in America more broadly. And it's something we've seen throughout pop culture, not just in hip hop. Not that long ago, there were some pretty brazen examples of homophobia in mainstream entertainment. The number one song not too long ago in the in the country in 2008 was Katy Perry's You're So Gay. That's a pop song from a, a person who I'm sure she would consider herself an advocate and, and an ally for the gay community. But it's right there. 40-Year-Old Virgin, one of the biggest hits in this country, has an extended bit in it where guys just trade jokes about, you know how I know you're gay. And more recently, several comedians have been called out for their homophobia. One of the number one Netflix you know, specials is Ricky Gervais. And Dave Chappelle, very popular on Netflix, despite the controversy around his comments about the transgender community. So, I mean, there's still stuff there. For me, this conversation is complicated. Because on the one hand, it can feel like Black people in hip-hop are being singled out for an American and worldwide problem. And it's important to put that into context. But sometimes, in an effort to protect the larger group, we harm members in the group by derailing the conversation and silencing their experiences. It all stems from respectability politics. I hate it so, so much. It's how we have generational curses within the community that we see where it's like, oh, we don't talk about that. We scoot it under the rug. We don't talk about it in public. Everything stays in-house. And I hate that aspect of respectability politics so much because that's how things that are causing harm that are just unjust continue on. So I just think we do these straw man arguments to not address or take accountability for anything that we as a community might be contributing to. When Clyde wrote his piece about homophobia and hip hop, he talked to several queer rappers who've been able to find their place within the culture. One of the rappers I talked to, uh, Cakes the Killer, he's found an audience. No, he's not a household name because of the internet and because of his own hustle. He's been able to to build himself an audience and to tour and to make a living doing something that he loves. So the gatekeepers are kind of falling away in the music industry writ large. But you know, it's you know, it's still it's still tough and it's still not perfect. Cakes the Killer told Clyde that he thinks there is room for queer people in hip-hop because the art form itself isn't inherently homophobic. He said, like, if you look at some of these early rappers, they look gayer than me. He first came into rap, he was attracting people like Lil' Kim, but also like the diplomats, right? Like, with the flashy jewelry and, you know, Cam wearing a pink fur coat. I mean, you know... Rappers have this flashy, flamboyant style. So it's not like the culture in and of itself, but they're just individuals in it who have a, a problem with 
gay people, but there's nothing specific, I think, about rap that is just, you know, anti was his, his larger point. Of course, queerness is about more than flashy jewelry and pink fur coats. But to his point, what's considered acceptable expression in hip-hop changes, which means it has the room to expand and be even more inclusive. I asked Derek what he thought about this and if he thinks hip-hop is inherently homophobic. I don't think it's innately homophobic. Like, I don't, I don't want to say that at all because... It would erase me. I grew up in the culture. I grew up surrounded by it. It would erase so many queer rappers. It would erase so many queer, like, producers, A&R reps, like, all these people that are within the culture. But we can state and say that there's a chunk of people within the community that are bigoted. And just like any form of sickness or hate or evil, it can just spread. And that's what happens. Whenever we talk about representation, the conversation can dangerously slip into representation for representation's sake territory. Nominating Lil Nas X or listening to music from other queer artists isn't just about checking a box. It's also about the stories and unique perspectives they share. There's a song that's on Montero that literally mimics my entire coming out experience. It's Sun Goes Down, and it talks about, like, Dealing with suicide and depression when you're like figuring yourself out as a teenager, not sure if you're ready to come out, seeing how the world treats people when you do come out. I wrote a review for the entire Montero album, and it's basically this black gay southern man's diary like a peek into his diary and it resonated with so many people and i just really always believe that there's an audience for any type of medium and if you're not the audience that's okay but you can be respectful about not being the audience you don't have to create this narrative of some agenda being pushed what do you think progress looks like for hip-hop is it jay-z and Nas? evolving? Is it Lil Nas X existing and being as famous as he is? What does it look like? I mean, I think it's a couple things. I think Jay-Z doing a song like Smile about his mom. Mama had four kids, but she's a lesbian. Had to pretend so long that she's a lesbian. Had to hide in the closet so she medicate. Society shame and the pain was the Jay-Z spoke very eloquently on his, like, last solo album about his mom coming out of the closet and finding out that she was a lesbian and, and being very, you know, supportive of her. Imagine having to live your life with someone else, right? And you think you're protecting your kids. And for my mother to have to live as someone that she wasn't and hide and like protect her kids and didn't want to embarrass her kids. And, you know, for all this time and for her to sit in front of me and tell me, I think I love someone. I mean, I really cried. That, that's a real story. Like, I cried because I was so happy for her that she was free. And talking about his relationship with her after, after she came out and how it brought them closer, it shows that people can evolve on these issues. I think that's a positive sign. But I also think it's, it's the ability of a gay rapper coming up and being able to express their sexuality the same way a heterosexual rapper can express 
themselves. And I think that's what bothered a lot of people about Lil Nas X. Let's say if Future did that same set where there's a bunch of women scantily clad dancing around and he turned and kissed one of them, would that have made headlines? Probably not. But Lil Nas X doing it, it does. But I think equality is is a rapper being able to be popular while also being themselves and expressing you know, their sexuality openly and it not being a big deal. I don't know how far we are away from that, but I think that's what, you know, true equality would look like. I asked Derek Cottingham the same thing, and it made him think about his own family and their road to understanding. I came out at 17. I'm 26 now. It took about nine years for my family to fully be like accepting. I come from a Southern Baptist household and the way they were when I first came out is the total opposite of how they are now. They're full on allies. They are educated. I was trying to tell my mom and explain to her what non-binary was when I came out to her as non-binary. She was like, I know what that is. It's da da da. I was like, oh, okay. Well, look at you. (laughs) It was a shocker, but it took almost a decade for my own loved ones to like be educated a little bit more and also just come to this place of just human decency and operating in love from a human side and human perspective. And I recently wrote a piece for Vox about Kendrick Lamar's Auntie Diaries. On his latest album, Kendrick Lamar has a song called Auntie Diaries in which he talks about his transgender family member. Some people weren't really feeling the song because even though it's meant to be a tribute, he misgenders the person and he uses a slur. My whole takeaway from it was basically that the intention was well-intentioned. However, he's not done with his journey to acceptance. Because if you fully accept someone and you say you learned from your bigoted ways, you can't do the bigoted thing while saying you learned from doing the bigoted thing to not do the bigoted thing. And so I think that's the fluctuation of progress that we have within hip hop in general. It's people learning just to respect a person as a human being, but then they have to interrogate their own biases internally about, okay, why does a person wearing what they want to wear bother you so much? Why does it make you so uncomfortable? And why does a person making music about what they go through in their lives affect you? We're on a road. It's a long, bumpy road. But we are there. Lil Nas X being able to exist in a mainstream space the way that he does is a form of progress. Like that just wasn't always possible. At the capacity that he's able to exist in the mainstream pop culture broadly, it just wasn't always possible. There are rappers, like I'll say this, like there are rappers that will like go to bat and defend and be like, hey, like stop that. Like, you know, we ain't gotta do that. Like I'm all down for queer people like I, if that, that ain't what I do but like they humans just like us like they'll deliver it in a clunky way the intentions are well but that just means that they need to be educated a little bit more on just like how to articulate that what they're saying versus that oh they must be condemned because they must still hate us if they can't properly say or articulate what they're trying to say Lil Nas X is definitely a representation of progress. It's just the vitriol that he receives shows that there's a lot more progress that needs to happen. In 
And that's it for us today. I'm Bridget Armstrong, host and senior producer of the show. And I work with an amazing team every week to make it all possible. Alicia Key is the show's producer. This episode was engineered by Ellie McAfee-Hahn. Graylin Brashear is our senior director of audio. And we had production help from Blake Lou Merwin. Big thanks to Clyde McCready and Derek Cottingham for talking to me. We'll have links to their work in the show notes. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. And in the meantime, be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell your friends.